Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan, and I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. A great privilege, as always, to share with you, and today is Friday, April 23rd. We are coming to the end of the penultimate week of the semester, and we are thinking again today about the theme, Letters of Hope and Challenge, as we look at some of the letters at the end of the uh, New Testament that we don't often look at. Today's readings are Psalm 137, Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And then 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. And I'm going to read to you from 2 Timothy 1. I'll just start in verse 3 as Paul talks to Timothy. I'm grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own, his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. So I love Paul's, I mean, this is a, a tender book in general. Um, you know, if you sort of track with Paul throughout his writing, Galatians and First Thessalonians are kind of young man Paul, who is filled with opinions uh, and strong rhetoric. And again, I'm not saying he's wrong. Like, I'm just saying, like, he appeals to me in a certain way, <laughs> you know, his rather indelicate language about the Galatians, uh, you know, Paul just, he has very strong opinions as a young person. And then, like many people, as he ages, he finds a different way of expressing himself. It's not to say he believes any less than he believed as a young person. It's just to say he values different things and finds different things worth mentioning. And here, as he's talking to Timothy, he values Timothy's sincerity, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And he says about how the faith came from his grandmother Lois. Lois is my mom's name, so it's nice to see that. And his mother Eunice, and it got passed on to him. It's interesting that Paul commends the mothers particularly. But 
because because of Timothy's sincerity, and the sincerity sees it as a strength, he says, because of this, don't be ashamed of God or of me. And that's, this is really thoughtful, emotionally intelligent advice from Paul. Sincere people, like Timothy, often really dislike conflict. They like harmony, right? They like when people get along. And so consequently, sincere people, even though they might feel badly about this, often uh, find a way to kind of have harmony with whoever's in the room right then. But a person who's outside the room might not rise to that level, (laughs) right? So like sincere people, uh, if you're sitting around a table and you're at a committee meeting, let's talk about that because... You know, you might be part of a church, I'm part of a college, that's what life is like, is a bunch of committee meetings, right? And you know, right, like everybody in the group agrees, but there's one member of the committee who's absent, and you're just thinking, I'm so glad that person's absent, because now the committee can get something done without kind of dealing with that person's feelings. And you don't think to yourself, like, if you're a sincere person, you're, on one hand, you might struggle because you might think like, well, let's talk about this thing that this person might have said if they were here. But on the other, you're just thinking, like, I'm so glad we can avoid the interpersonal conflict that would come if this person was here. And I'm sure this is what Paul is thinking as he's writing to Timothy. He's saying, don't be ashamed of me. I know I'm not right there, right? I know I'm not in the room. I know that I exist to you only in this letter that you can put in your drawer and put away and put out of sight, out of mind. But I want you to be the best sincere person you can be and not be ashamed of me. Sincere people can run away from conflict and feel deep shame about conflict and feel shame about the things that cause conflict, even when these things are good, right? Even when it's good, even when conflict is a necessary way through for the community to grow. And this is, you know, what Paul talks about again and again and again. Like, we, we suffer with Christ. He interprets his own suffering there in verse 12, right? Like, I, of course, I have to suffer because I'm point, appointed a herald of a gospel of a suffering Jesus who, who brings life and immortality through suffering. <laughs> and so uh, suffering is going to be part of things, right? And so Paul wants to say to Timothy, you need to suffer with Jesus and show solidarity with those who suffer. Paul, Paul's going on, he talks like the gospel is really a good thing, right? And sometimes people who follow it and sometimes who preach it have to suffer. And sometimes when we go out of our way to avoid shame, we can miss out on the growth that comes and the sense of connection we have with people who aren't in the room right then. You know, as we think about the way that the modern American church is so segregated, I feel like that's part of part of our real problem right now. Like part of the white evangelical world sort of struggling with the issue of race and racism. Part of that reality is most white folks don't, they're very sincere, right? They want to follow Jesus. But if they don't know black Christians, if they don't have relationships that rise to the level of feeling present, then the desire for interpersonal harmony and to keep the peace is going to win out over the need to have this conversation about what race and racism has done 
and what kind of people it's made us into and what it's done in our culture and how we can best dismantle and undo it, right? So because we're afraid to head to that place of shame, because we just, we, it's hard, because, sorry, we're afraid to head to that place of shame because we just don't experience it as real in the same way because the folks who it is real for are often not in our towns, in our churches, in the room, in our lives. And so what Paul is saying is to Timothy is, don't be ashamed of me even though I'm not in the room. <laughs> Keep preaching the gospel, even when that's tricky. And in the same way, like if we're going to heal, if we're going to grow, it means learning to not be ashamed of people and ideas and being accountable to those people and ideas, even when shame and conflict, or sorry, conflict and the shame that results from conflict could be part of things. This is a real challenge for us as a church, and it's, it's one of the, the unintended but very real consequences of a way of doing church that became popular in the white evangelical world about 50 years ago that prioritized building churches or having churches kind of identify target audiences and building their churches around those target audiences. And when church becomes full of people who look like you, think like you, act like you, I mean, the theory behind this was, you know, we can get people to accept Jesus if we kind of target messages at them, right? And part of getting people feeling comfortable enough to accept Jesus is not asking them to do uncomfortable things like getting to know people who are different than them. But somewhere along the way, as churches became more and more narrow, right, as, as uh, people of different political persuasions kind of developed their own churches, as even churches within themselves developed services for adults and for teens and for seniors and for people who like this music and people who like that music, Consequently, we don't know how to deal with people who are different, and they're absent to us. And Paul's call to Timothy is, like, even people who aren't in the room need to be real to you. And part of the way they become real to you is the presence, is the worshiping together. And so, uh, what a tall order ahead of us. But it starts here with this kind of thing. Learning to, to draw the circle of love more widely in our lives so that we're not just dodging shame and, and avoiding difficult conversations, but being faithful to to fellow Christians who are not in the rooms with us right then. God, this is a hard word. Um, in many ways in our lives, we find conflict very difficult. I know that's particularly true in my culture, but I think it's true among people more generally as well. We pray, God, that you would help us to not feel an undue shame from having conflict, from learning to deal with difficult things. We lament, God, the way in which the church is divided and we want to be people who work across that, not by getting people to police what they say around us and not by getting people to you know, tell us what they can and can't say so that we don't have conflict. But we long to be unified by having genuine, truthful conversation with each other that helps each of us to grow into the truth. We long for that for your body. We pray, God, that Houghton will be a little piece of that and the churches and friend groups of all those listening would be part of that project too. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, all, it's been a privilege this week to share with you on the theme of Letters of Hope and Challenge. Next week, for the last week of the semester, we focus on the Blessed Hope. And we'll look at texts from Revelation and then Old Testament texts that speak to the theme of our hope uh, as well. That's a good way to wind up the year. So we'll talk to you next week. No podcast again over the weekend. So until Monday, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.